welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 22, Violence. We're going to continue with the theme of yesterday's Field Log, which was on humility. Of course, if you haven't heard that yet, pause this one, listen to that one first. And by continue the theme, I mean for me to talk about things, to give my opinion on things where I'm really pushing the boundaries of any authority to speak on the topic, right? Because when it comes to intangibles like humility or violence, these sort of character traits and how we should approach them from a spiritual perspective, the best source is going to be your priest. But I'm going to give you some opinions some reflections that might be of use to you. That being said, don't take anything I'm saying here to be some sort of gospel, right? Take everything with a grain of salt and double check the points that I might make that seem a little controversial. With that disclaimer out of the way, let's talk about violence. There are a number of extremes and, you know, places in the middle where you could land on your current views on violence. You might be a pacifist, right? Violence is never appropriate under any circumstances. I'm a pacifist. I do not commit violence. Then you have the other extreme. Violence is something to be glorified, is something to be celebrated, right? The first extreme, pacifism, you're going to find in certain Far Eastern spiritualities, perhaps Jainism, and... um. Buddhism and Hinduism might have pacifism to some degrees, depending on which school you're a part of. Glorification of violence is something that's a bit more common to certain pagan beliefs, right? Where you might have a god of war. There's a deity to whom you pray for strength in war, which that practice in and of itself isn't bad per se, but violence as some sort of path to glory and I wouldn't quite call it holiness, but to some sort of pseudo-deification. Now, depending on who you ask, when it comes to the Christian view on violence, you're going to get different answers, right? One of the things we know as Christians is that we're called to turn the other cheek, whatever that means, right? There's probably hours and hours of discussion we could have about what exactly that means in detail, and maybe we'll touch on some of that in this field log. So we know that. But we also know that Christ, who is God incarnate, went into the temple, and when he saw the money lenders. He got into a righteous anger, right? This sort of holy wrath and starts flipping tables. How dare you profane the house of God, right? His instinct to protect this house of worship, the house of his father, and by extension his own, bordered on and became violence against objects, not people, but still. And all you have to really do is turn to the Old Testament to see God enacting righteous anger on heathens, right? people who would harm his chosen people, the people of God. So what are we supposed to make of all of this? Now, before we dive into the, the spiritual components of this, on which I'll have some opinions, again, just opinions, I want to talk about some of the practical concerns, right? This is a bit more my wheelhouse. So we'll start there. How should we approach violence? We know that as men living the warrior king ethos, that our commitment is first to God, and second, to stewardship. 
And those two are going to be the most important factors when considering things like violence. Stewardship. Primarily, we talk about money when it comes to that topic, but it means to protect that which is given into your care. Say you have an intruder and you have to defend your property. Violence may be appropriate. Say you're with your family and you're walking through an alley and a robber comes at you and demands your money. And say you're given some sort of opportunity to overpower him. Violence might be an option. Might be the only option. Or if you're in a situation where someone threatens the physical safety of someone, and that someone is, say, a good friend of yours, or your mother, or your wife, or your children, I think you can see where I'm going with this. The first thing I think that we need to recognize is that we live in a fallen world. This is not a perfect world. And while God is love and peace and harmony, when it comes to evil, God is often described as vengeful, wrathful, right? Destroying evil. So we should take that same position. Violence is sometimes necessary. And you can quote me on that. It's absolutely a last resort. It is absolutely a last resort. You don't want to reach for violence first when there is a peaceful resolution. I would even go so far as to say on the topic of turning the other cheek that you ought not to commit violence when someone is maybe harming you physically in a way that's, you know, not too bad. Let's say like somebody like flicks your forehead or something, something disrespectful. Turning the other cheek would be to say that I could respond with violence, but I will choose not to, right? Turning the other cheek comes from a place of strength, not weakness, if you ask me. So practically speaking, the first reality we have to accept as men is that we must be ready to respond with violence if the need arises, right? To continue down this practical argument, your wife will not feel safe if she thinks that you're not the kind of man who is capable, at least, of violence when the need arises. Even the ethos being called warrior king, it's largely metaphorical, but there is a literal aspect to this. Like, are you willing to go to war? Not just in the spiritual warfare, as we're told to do as men, but even physically, warring against another man, mano a mano, right? You against another man. Someone who threatens the safety of your children, of your wife, of your community. Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to back up your brothers in a fight? If the need arises, right? We never desire violence. We never wish for violence. We should do everything in our power to avoid violence. But let there be no mistake that as a man, you will sometimes be called upon to respond with violence. This is a reality you must accept. It's a terrible tragedy whenever it's required, but it will perhaps one day be required of you. So you can see that from a purely practical perspective, violence is sometimes necessary to protect those things which God has deemed fit to give to you. Your wife, your children, your property, your brothers, your siblings, your parents. But we also know that as Christians, we must love peace, right? The Lord says, peace be upon you. Peace is the desired state. So our first commitment here, not one of the big seven, right? But our first commitment in the realm of violence or not violence is to peace. We must seek peace, foster peace, broker peace, diffuse situations when possible, 
Do not react indignantly or with ego when someone shoves you or insults you or something. Turn the other cheek. So seek peace first. This is also practical. Nobody wins in a fight. You might lay the other guy out. And now you have assault charges on your hands. You might get laid out. Now you're limping for three weeks. Nobody wins when there's violence. But sometimes you're put into a position where you have to choose between violence and potentially the life of someone whom you deeply care about. And that choice should be easy for you. When you're confronted with that kind of choice, you cannot hesitate to do what is necessary. Sometimes you're put in a position where neither option is appealing, but one is certainly more appealing than the other. So think on that for a second. To seek peace, but to be ready for violence. There's a saying that I read once, which goes something like, it is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in war. And this is the disposition that we have to have when it comes to the thought of violence. To be prepared and to accept it as a potential reality of the world we live in, but to seek nothing more than to be in the garden. Right? I've said this before, the more you sweat in practice, the less you bleed in war. So prepare yourself for that situation, whichever way is appropriate, and be ready to act when you're called upon to act. So this is where we are kind of practically, and I've already started touching on some of the oughts, right? Some of the spiritual questions, but let's focus in on that for a second. Say that you have come to the conclusion that you seek first peace, and if all else has failed you, you will resort to violence if necessary. You've been training your body as a man who lives the warrior king ethos, so you have some physical strength that you can leverage towards that end. You've also been immersing yourself in the way of thinking of a warrior king, and you've gotten to the place where you take responsibility for the people around you, and that includes their safety. So let's say you've done all of those things. So now how should we think about violence spiritually? I mentioned before that God certainly is no stranger to violence. Not desiring it, but understanding that sometimes, in order to cleanse evil from this world, God has had to resort to violence. But we also know that the Lord, Christ, endured violence when he's felt it appropriate. Of course, having infinite wisdom, he understood when, when it was appropriate. Christ being nailed to the tree, right, to the cross, allowed violence to be enacted upon him for the benefit of his sheep, of us, right, his flock. And both of those seemingly contradictory, but not truly contradictory, realities should inform our understanding of violence from a spiritual perspective. My godfather told me a story once, and I've mentioned this before. My godfather is an archpriest. He's an old priest of a war that an Orthodox army had to fight. I believe he said it was Russian. So this Orthodox army has a threat on its border and rallies the troops, grabs the weapons, armors up, and then goes to meet the enemy. 
praying for God's intercession and the protection of the Theotokos, right? That God might give them strength in war. The scripture refers to God as mighty in war, right? The psalmist references God saying, my strength. So in just warfare, in righteous warfare, this army called upon God for victory and God delivered victory. So this army defeats the enemy army, protecting its homeland, right? Violence in response to a threat, never initiated by you, and then returns back to the capital. And the first thing they do is offer up a worship service, a prayer service, to God. And this service occurred in two halves. The first half was the army and the king and the generals praising God for delivering their enemies into their hands, for helping them defeat the evil which was on their borders. And then about halfway through, the tone changed. And the service became penitential. God forgive us for the violence we were forced to enact. Right, there are no winners here. Out of necessity, the army was forced to respond with violence, but didn't desire that violence. This is the mark of a man to be able to do that which must be done, even if it's not what you want to do. So I think the story gives us a very good understanding of our attitude towards violence, and it combines the two responses we see to violence from God in the scriptures. On the one hand, patiently enduring violence in the form of Christ and the human flesh, but on the other hand, being completely willing, when required, to use violence as a tool to respond to evil. And that ought to be our disposition. Right? We know that Orthodox armies have waged war. For example, against the Ottomans. There are warrior saints, right? One of my favorites is Saint Ilya Muromets, who was a warrior saint who I, I believe, if I'm getting the story right, roamed the countryside and just fought off bandits and was undefeated in war and never did it for the money, but only to protect women and children. Violence is a great tragedy when it's required. But it is sometimes required. And it doesn't just have to be physical violence, right? The discussion up to this point has centered around physical violence. But sometimes you have to have a stern word with somebody, right? If you're, let's say, being verbally assaulted, you might turn the other cheek. But then if that verbal assault turns to your wife, you might have to step in and say, listen, I'm happy to take whatever abuse it is that you want to lay on me verbally. I'm a strong man. I can take it. But you will never speak to my wife like this. So having to respond to verbal violence, maybe you even have to respond with violence of your own that's verbal. So in whatever manifestation you can imagine violence potentially occurring, you should be ready to enact that sort of violence if it's required of you. And this is where the wisdom comes in, right? You have to understand when is it truly required? When you start taking a self-defense class, for example, one of the first things you'll hear from the instructor might be something like, the best self-defense is a 40-yard dash, right? Run, 
avoid the conflict. Because no matter how good you are at self-defense or martial arts, or maybe you carry a firearm, whatever it is, there's always still danger to you. So we should avoid it. That being said, you're still in the class and they're still going to teach you. They're not going to show up and say, the best self-defense is a concealed carry permit and a 40-yard dash. That's everything you need to know and you go home and you pay the, the class fee. That's not how it goes. They're still going to equip you with the ability to defend yourself physically if the need arises, as it should be. As a human being, you do have the right to protect yourself right, from grievous harm. And especially as a man, not only do you have the right, you have the responsibility to protect yourself and those around you. So you should be prepared. Both physically and mentally, and spiritually as well. Of course, something like that, having to enact violence on a person, doesn't truly leave you. And you might carry that weight with you for a long time. But it beats having to carry the weight of letting someone you care about be hurt. So we can see, as usual, the need for balance, right? Here we go. Ara talking about balance. We can see the need for balance. We can see that we have to desire peace, but be ready for violence. That we should learn to turn the other cheek, right? When we can retaliate, we may not. Right? There, there are many, many famous stories of, of saints being beaten and not lifting a finger to defend themselves. Understanding that in that moment, this was their way of turning the other cheek. So we should pray for wisdom alongside the strength of when is responding with violence necessary and when is it not. Now this next bit is going to be very hard to hear for a lot of people, and I have shared this information with people before and gotten a lot of pushback, but I'm going to say it anyway. Many times, the Christian thing to do is to take harm upon yourself and to allow an aggressor to harm you if you understand, you know, the, the extent of the harm and, and, and you feel called to do so by God, right? Especially, this can be verbally, right? If someone might be disrespecting you or yelling at you in public and you might keep a calm, stoic face. Or sometimes, as in the stories of some saints, like I mentioned just a minute ago, that might manifest in genuinely allowing yourself to be hit, right? Turning the other cheek quite literally, and not responding because you understand that this person hit me one time. He now feels superior to me. I have the strength to retaliate, but I will choose not to do so because I can see that the situation will only escalate if I do. God willing, you'll never be in that situation where you have to make that call. But you should cultivate the wisdom to be able to make that call and to sometimes take damage upon yourself so as to reduce the total violence done. Right, and this actually leads me to another point that I think is very important to distinguish is that violence is only ever appropriate when it will prevent great future harm, not in retaliation. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. If the damage has been done, if someone, let's say, beats you up, you don't grab a group of your friends and say, I'm going to protect myself by retaliating. Unless you have reason to believe that the violence will continue, if it's done, you have to let it be. You have to forgive, and this is a moment where you turn the other cheek. Only when the violence will prevent future harm is it ever even a consideration. If someone hits you and winds up for another hit, that would be a cue to potentially respond with violence. 
But if someone hits you and then starts walking away, you don't pick up a rock and throw it at that person to further the conflict. So I hope some of those thoughts are useful to you in understanding when violence may be appropriate. I hope that you do have a desire for peace above all other things and that you're willing to turn the other cheek if maybe verbal violence or sometimes even physical violence is enacted upon you when you understand that the threat has passed. That being said, I also hope that you are capable of violence when necessary. Right? Few people would ever say, except for true pacifists, few people would ever say that violence in genuine self-defense is not appropriate. So you ought to take that view. That violence is never desired, but that it is sometimes required. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.